This is the multi-sport podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts. Supported by No Pins, number attachment systems at nopins.com. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. Welcome back to the JBST.com Smartcast. This is the 133rd episode. I'm Coach Jabir and I'm joined again in 2015 by uk's Martin Crocker. Good morning, good e- afternoon, good evening. Very nice. I like, I like what we did there. So we've been away. We've had an off-season break. We've got lots to tell you. We've got reviews questions, little bits of research, little bits of updates of insider news, and hopefully we will keep you entertained for the next hour. That's it. So whether you're on Turbo Trainer, out whether running. you're out running, in the gym, you get to listen to our dulcet tones whilst... Uh, it could, you could be on the tube, you could be on the train. This you, is, you this could, is true. You could be, uh, if you're on your bike riding, uh, don't put your headphones <laughs> in and ride, please. Unless you're on Turbo... All rollers. Or cycle track away from traffic like we've got, luckily. Stay safe, kids. Stay safe. Okay, we're jumping straight in with the first listener's questions. And this is a bit of a big one, isn't it? I like this one. This one is in from Ian Gunn. Um, is, is sports that he's involved in is mountaineering, bike and run for training. So uh, the question being, or oh, he has put the topic on as, Hi, Joe and Crocker. I guess I'm not your normal listener. My primary sport is mountaineering. I bike and run a fair bit for training, plus rock climbing and strength work. I started listening to triathlon podcasts to learn more about training and nutrition for 12 to 18 hours a day. Uh, That's obviously, uh, I guess, his more about training and nutrition for 12 to 18 hours. Oh, 18 hour days. Sorry. Yes, I think kind of the amount of time that he's doing. Sorry. Um, I've got into cycling a bit, but only for training. Done a couple of marathons in in the distant past. The podcast is the best I've found and one of the few I still listen to. I particularly like to hear your take on the latest research. After a couple of years of illness, I stopped listening to the podcast as it was frustrating not to be able to to get out and do things. While I concentrate on getting better and healthy again, now on the comeback trail, catching up with the episodes I've missed. And they help to motivate me as I slowly increase my training load again. I heard a podcast the other day... um, that included a section on a particular supplement and you explained that the one in question was very much an icing on the cake uh, after everything had been done, which uh, made perfect sense. I wonder if on a future podcast you could provide a summary of the main supplementation options and which are the core ones you would advise athletes to most consider if they were training fairly hard, juggling, say, 12 to 15 hours a week training. With a busy job life, etc., etc., and which should only be considered after everything else is in place. For example, you mentioned recovery drinks as being essential. What should people look for in a recovery drink? One of the or one of the specialist sports drinks. I think at one time you recommended chocolate milk drinks as recovery. I hope I, I hope I have remembered that right. Um, also. If there are any particular considerations for an older athlete, I'm 57 and hoping to get back to peak health and fitness for a big climbing um, 
ambition I hope to attempt in 2016, which will involve a summit day of around 12 hours and a couple of shorter days each side. It's nothing like hard by the standards of today's best climbers, but the hardest that I will have done. As with any sport, I believe it is your it is about your personal targets and your PBs and the sheer enjoyment of the activity, uh, not about comparisons. <laughs> it goes on to say, sorry for the length of the question. If you do read it out, feel free to leave out what, uh, what you want. I think the core question could help a lot of people, but thought that you might find my sports background interesting and illustrating another group of people who find your work of great value. Um, so keep up the good work. Ian. Brilliant question. I have to say that is um, that certainly got uh, it's nice, got me thinking. It's nice to see that you kind of, with all sports, it touches everything, touches and crosses onto mm. you know whether it be be running, skiing, climbing, mountaineering. So, um, and it's, yeah. key, it's key thing will take will take a bit of um, thought to look at uh, like a hierarchy of needs in terms of yes, supplements are uh, secondary to um, good nutrition, but. Um, later on in the podcast, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed with something else that I think changes the way we look at supplementation. Okay. Joe winks at me every time he does this. Now, bearing <laughs> in mind, before we go on, we just have a quick natter and catch up. And I love it when he kind of just keeps a little well, bit back. Well, I hadn't read that question, so I didn't okay. know what he, was, right. what he was going to say. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I think it is important, um, like he said, that the... The reason why he listens to it is is that he gets you know something out of it, and when you're not doing sport, you sometimes don't want to re-engage with the things that you don't want to see people out riding. You don't want to see somebody uh, running if you're ill, injured, or you've you've had to stop the sport. I mean, you know, at some point, you know, at some point, Roger Bannister run the four minute mile is 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 moving very slowly now. Do you know what I mean? We're all on an eventual point where yeah, we, where we yeah, stop yeah. doing it. And I think it is important to, to have those little things that just sometimes people have said, yes, it, it's motivating. I've always been into this and it's, it's what I love doing, but I do realize that people ebb and flow yeah. and, and yeah, it's yeah. important sometimes to realize you do need to ebb and flow. Some of the hardest conversations are when people say, I think I'm going to have to give up coaching because my life is about to change for you know for the better, sometimes for the worst in the short term, but for the better in the long term. And therefore, they need to readdress what they're doing. I think the person that carries on regardless and doesn't have ebbs and flows um, and uh, as uh, as Ian was saying, you know, he's, he's building his fitness back up to this goal. Well, that's good. His goal is completely different to what most people that listen to the podcast would be thinking about. But still, there's an aerobic strength, fitness, endurance component that still it's it's just a lot longer and a lot different environment than most people. It's it's uh, on your feet, but it is at altitude. It is with um, therefore rarefied air. It is probably with a huge amount of weight on board and, you know, can make actually a 5k park run look like, um, well, stroll in the park. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or possibly something like that. But yeah, let's, um, I will keep that aside. And I think, I think we need to, um, just, yeah, just give a hierarchy because there are always things that, that, um, that ebb and flow within people's mindsets as to what they think are the most important supplements. And we had a little conversation because yeah. there's a pot of supplements on my desk, and and Crocker had a little bit of a of a 
what was it? Not a shock, but kind of questioning and asking and stuff. And it's all very legal, but it's just, it's just, um, I don't see it that I should be the guinea pig to do it. But as part of getting, um, getting fit for this coming year's goals that I've got, yes. there are certain supplements that, that I know, and they may not be perhaps in other people's hierarchy, but I think after a while, you know, whether, you know, it's not to use certain supplements and then, um, you know, to go out and to get, absolutely hammered you know two days every weekend and then to be on top level supplements I'm like hold on a minute you've got that wrong yeah so i think there is a definite pattern that the supplementation has to follow in line with i mean not being on the you know the purest diet on the planet because having seen um uh the data behind people that think that they're doing really well they can still have um, holes in their armory and actually your diet must be something that you're happy with you don't want to be you know the most um, evangelistic person about certain foodstuffs and yet actually you hate it and you're just dying to you know cram a couple of Yorkies down you know you've got to be um, as as my uh, late dad said you're looking at the lid a very long time and I think you do have to sometimes realize you know don't take it out of context there isn't a supplement that does training for you there isn't a supplement that makes everything all fine. You can't even take a multivitamin and guarantee you're going to cover exactly what you need. Yes, yeah. So it's a tricky one because as people get more into it, they look for those marginal gains. And of course, it's easy to think that you can just buy something, take it, and that will make all the difference. Whereas actually, it is, it is that constant, you know, if you're really into it, every action you do is pretty much thought about as a... Is this, you know, is it actually going to help me? Because if it isn't, what's the point in then spending your oodles of money on all your equipment and then knowing you're doing 10 things constantly that are making you go backwards? Yeah. That's just, that to me is quite bizarre. I mean, you don't have to do it and pretend you're a professional when you're an amateur, but there are some low-lying fruit, easy gains that people can do that can be tweaks of... of training nutrition even tweaks of their diet or the way that they look at food um and that's what i would like to answer ian in that kind of okay. that context of here's the hierarchy and so, so we're, we're going to come back to ian's question then yeah we'll do we'll do that in 134 because i think that would be that would be good rather than trying to as i said i didn't i gave it to you and thought what's that going to be all about We'll keep that. And I think it's it's good because he is looking at hierarchy and that hierarchy would be different to somebody that's perhaps um, doing, you know, their seventh Ironman or the first time that they're, you know, moving up to a, you know, a, a, not a semi-professional, but a more, you know, um, a more professional based racing team for time trials or you know they're they're trying to get sponsorship for their running ability or whatever I think then people do start looking at the little bits and it has to be the training the nutrition and the sort of technical aspects of it none of those three legs of the stool can actually be ignored yeah and I think he's 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 a, a good case because I think there'll be certain things that absolutely are essential for his body to be able to deal with um, altitude. Cool. Um, before the next Q and A, let's do the reviews and then we'll do the second Q and A. Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Right. So there are a couple of reviews. I'll do them in chronological order. So the one that came in uh, in October was from Sporty It Guy. 
I'm sure that sporty IT guy must be. And it says, thumbs up to the podcast. Relaxed banter covering a wide range of topics. Easy going and relaxed. So much I've been known to nod off listening after a hard day. This is no reflection on the guys. <laughs> Following the tips and tricks. Personally, I've progressed from the 10k to marathon. Started multi-sport in 2010 as last place finisher in my first standard distance duathlon. Now a competitive middle of the pack racer. Uh, the bike leg still continues to be the weak link. Uh, 2014 achieved a personal milestone. A proud 107 kilometer ultra distance london duathlon finisher surprising myself completing five hours 36 age 42 wonderful that. wonderful Brilliant. we don't know who you are sporty it guy but thank you very much for the five star um for calling it thumbs up but most of all for hopefully it is it's not only tips and tricks hopefully i know you are you're you're really passionate about sport mountain biking running you're just passionate about it and that hopefully goes you know down through the ether and out through the podcast and people people just otherwise you know if they, if they listen to you know radio one or if they listen to you know some podcast that doesn't necessarily tweak their sports connection they can just sort of go a bit flat hopefully we give people that little nudge yeah. to say this is what you know and that's brilliant because if you've if you've been at the back of the pack and you've moved your way forward and you've done things that uh have not automatically happened just because you've um i don't know you've you've gone into it backwards and somehow you you've found your own success i think there's lots of people that do things wrong and they they need to ask experts or, or take on board some of the things that are written or at least be able to juggle the various things that come their way to say well what's going to work for me um and clearly um sporty it guys done that so uh well done and uh well send us keep up the good work and, and send us an email update it's really good you know that's a review via itunes and we don't know you know who these people are but send us a um, email via jbst.com click on the contact and uh, update us and ask us and we will give you the tips and tricks to make you faster on the bike okay that November, we had one from Evisible, Evisible, yeah, something like that. Um, solid training advice, mostly uh, four stars, and it says Joe and Crocker have great chemistry as a coaching team, singing from the same song sheet, and dish out solid advice on base building, periodization, bike power, zone training, heart rate, and so on. However, they lose one star for, in my humble opinion, being still behind the curve on the very important topic of real food and fat adaptation for athletes still preaching the dogmatic high carb slash goo protocol so that was uh invisible and we we sat down we've actually taken on board or tried to take on board um we don't think we do preach high dogmatic carb do we because i i i'm a big fan of you know people making sure they get their uh the fish uh, possibly, um, you know, supplementation. Not everyone likes to eat fish, and correct supplementation may work to uh, help get the uh, essential fatty acids. Um, we're not quite sure what the goo protocol is. I'm not quite sure whether that's just they mean just the gels, because some people call you know gels and goo this kind of yeah, their, yeah. Their, or their GU thing. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also fat adaptation. I'm a I'm a big fan of. Uh, of, of fasted training in order that people fat adapt to make sure you get your essential fatty acids and use um you know various uh, sources of food to get in um yeah real food that you supplements are supplementary to all of this um 
yeah, I absolutely love real food. I don't I don't want to be uh, living off supplements. I eat real food, but I think it's a it's a difficult one for everyone to have enough time and sometimes knowledge or just inclination to have the perfect meal every time they sit down. There are people that are great at it. You know, the chefs, the people that love the cuisine. And then there's people that just say, yeah, I like that, but I go for quick. I go for this quick rice, but I have it with this bit of steak and these small vegetables. And you say, you know what? That's still a good balance. Yes. And, and maybe maybe with the with the, the comment here also is, is we kind of we do have a tendency to focus a bit more on, um, you know, what to take on board when you're when you're training slash yeah. racing. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's another little thing we can look at maybe looking at the aspects away from you know your flat out training um and everything else maybe look at the aspect of what you can do to help support immune system you know with decent food um you know fresh food um a fine balance between fish meat you know not overdoing the fatty stuff eggs, eggs. eggs. um yeah so 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 taken on board i think we can kind of we maybe we can elaborate on stuff slightly yeah. a little bit yeah. further away from the training side maybe. and it would also so. be nice uh invisible invisible um to give us exactly what you what you see we're missing uh and therefore what you think we could um add into it um there is still the need and i'll still go back to it for a lot of people they don't do Iron Man on necessarily just, you know, loads of uh, real food. They do have to have at some point, you know, s sloppy drinks and gels. Yes, you can have a certain amount of real food, but I think there's a there's a fine line at which point you say Iron Man's probably not indicative of what we needed to do in our genealogy. It's a it's a, you know, a sports event. Therefore, because you move out of the exact requirements for natural you then have to move out of that for performance. performance yeah. So yeah, if you yeah. wanted to just, you know, do a leisurely swim, ride a, a very long distance over a couple of days and then walk 26 miles over some hills to almost mimic a trek that people would have done. Absolutely. You'd have very high fat, dense, quite like uh, quite like the explorers and the mountaineers, you know, dense things to eat that are high in calories uh, relatively uh, tasty because you will get uh, more fatigued over multiple days and probably salty so that any fluids you get uh, retain the liquid but that's a different scenario to somebody saying I want to break 10 hours yeah. and and then you've got to look at different foods so in both cases sporty IT guy and invisible uh, please get to us via the contact page at jbst.com and um, give us some extra little uh, little bits of nitty-gritty for us to work on and also if, if we don't get this kind of feedback then we we can't elaborate anymore um <clears throat> you know maybe sometimes we are a bit blinkered and a bit guilty of kind of heading straight down the training route heading straight down the uh, um you know the race route uh, whereas maybe we should take another step back again and just saying look you know i get in from work you know i i've, I've had a hard day at work you know can i have you, you know <laughs> yeah um but but yeah, maybe that's something else we can have a look at as well. So, but thank you very much anyway. Q and A. My Q and A. My Q and A number two. My Q and A number two comes from um, Chris Brown, um, and it says on your podcast and in your email, you asked what practical lessons have we learned. Uh, this was from a question back in I think it was October, October yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, October, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Chris says mine is uh, don't go into the circle pits at heavy metal concerts, <laughs> thus breaking ribs. And getting chest infections that screw your season, which 
sounds A, like fun, but B, probably didn't want it to go that way. Um, what you could do is have a laugh at, the, at that situation, but then bring up doing other sports or activities that could result in injury and jeopardising the try season. Playing with quit, playing with kids, question mark, and a discussion on try slash life balance. Then again, you could talk about the tire width thing again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Chris yeah, do you knows know what? quite it's, well, and it's quite. It, there's always there's always these things that happen timely. Yesterday evening, so weekend evening, I get this. Um, I don't think it was a text. It wasn't an urgent. It was just like an email saying, "Oh, by the way, I'm going to have to rethink my my training next week. I've I've fallen off a, a toboggan um, in Switzerland, going you know going from A to B, you know, doing something a bit you know bit uh, crazy. Going from A to B, I'm going to have to rethink the training for a few days. I think I've done my can't think what joint it was, whether it's their knee or their shoulder, or whatever. But yeah, these things happen. You know, you you do get a sense of um, real life does sometimes, you know, bump into sport and and make the sport have to adapt because otherwise people they become really like boring that they won't you know jump around with their kids on the trampoline or they won't go um, and do something. And okay, if you spend a lot of money on your events and you want to do some peak events. Absolutely, don't do it the night before peak event because you, you will regret it. And peak events mean your focus is quite narrow. But for a lot of times, actually being able to relax is a way that allows people, when it comes to crunch time, to compete. So having this ability to do different things, you know, and to be not, not you know, thinking, oh, I, I couldn't possibly go out, you know, three days before my club's 5K run. And you think, why can't you? It's yeah. a 5K run for your club. And, and of course, now... It's um, by the time the podcast comes out, it'll, it'll be uh, February or just about to be February. And I think as we go through the next three months, people's people's kind of oh yeah, whatever starts to become oh oh should I do that or yeah, that affect yeah, my yeah. or that affect my half Ironman or or what 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 again was that brand of of tire? I hate to say the word tire, but yeah. what was again that because because I'm I'm starting to get a bit more you know. And so I think what happens is people do have an off season when they tend to do things that are a bit crazy, and then when they're in the season, they they often think at least once or twice about. Does that make sense to do it? Um, and knowing Chris, you know he he just does it does it all all the time. And so sometimes, yeah, you're far better to have a a rich tapestry that does sometimes affect your sport than to literally live in a box unless you unpack that box for race day and say, right, I can go out into the big wide world now because I can race. But but don't we do it with everything? <clears throat> we kind of, you know, some of us are guilty of overworking. You know, we we kind of, oh no, I, I can't because I've got to work tomorrow, or or um, oh, I I can't do it this week because I've you know I've got a really busy week at work, and you just kind of think, well fundamentally the, the the little bits that you're kind of not doing don't really massively yeah. impact on anything i think it's just maybe psychologically it's a it's yeah. a little bit of a thing but you know with with things like like chris is saying there you know things happen yeah you maybe don't think them through but in the in the grand scales of life you know it's an inconvenience for a couple of weeks it's yeah. an inconvenience for a month or so yeah all right it puts you back but then if that's the case, it might extend the latter part of your season mm. by a few more weeks mm. if mm. if you're able to. Yeah. So, and I think um, depending on the severity of what happens, you know, sometimes yeah, people do lose, you know, a, a night's worth of sleep 
through you know work or or kids or the you know the car alarm going off or the roof imploding whatever it is you do get that but you can still get out there and do your training session and if you can't then you're wrapping yourself in cotton wool part of the ability to dig in in races is about digging in and training yeah. not yeah. digging in and going hard all the time but sometimes going I've had no sleep. Right, I've just got to do this because if I don't do it, it won't get done. But also, if I do it, actually, I'll come out the other end, I'll be fine. People got through, you know, world wars on very little sleep and managed to, to survive it. And I think, I think uh, Chris very much would, uh, I'm sure, agree that, you know, people do wrap themselves up a bit in cotton wool. Sometimes you just got to get on with it. Yeah. And not if you've, you know, if you've done a rib and you get chest infection and stuff, that's going down the... The, the slightly more severe route but oftentimes competition is going to be something that sorts out the people that are deep down a little bit of a hard case that when it comes when push comes to shove they are ready to shove back or people say oh it started to hurt a little bit so i had to ease up and you're like no that's the point where you go full gas yeah, you know yeah. that's that's the difference in people's mentality some people go oh yeah but i started getting this happen this happen that's the point where you draw upon everything you can to go yeah, this is what the race all comes down to. This little part here, when I'm starting to, you know, do whatever, cramp up, you're starting to notice that, you know, your, your your bike's handling funny or your goggles don't quite work very well in the last, you know, the last literally 10 minutes of your Ironman swim. And all you're doing that day is an Ironman swim because that's what the event entails. You're not biking or running, you're doing an Ironman swim. Just swim the last bit yeah. with only looking out through one goggle. Don't worry about the fact you can't look through two. So... I think it's good to have these other things because they sort of teach you that you don't want to become literally a you know one trick well, pony. pigeonholed, yeah, yeah, into, into or or you. I think you don't have anything else that you ever do, and and it's quite nice to have different things because you learn sometimes in the other circles of life that you bump into people. They teach you things yeah. that you absolutely can apply into sport, into your job, and and things like that. So it's actually good not to get too much into the you know get up, train, go to work, sometimes train again, blah blah blah, and and read about it and listen about it and talk about it and then it just becomes absolutely just hang on are we talking ourselves out of uh <clears throat> out of listeners here no because i think it is about balance <laughs> <clears throat> remember remember the old uh the old tattoo the old... it's all about yin yang yeah and it's and about I, balance i think it's about adaption as well isn't it for, for, from the point <clears throat> of view that um you know you need to be hard at races you need to be hard at training but don't expect too much of yourself when you think, oh, God, I haven't slept at all. You know, you might have a, a newborn or, yeah, had a really bad night's sleep and think, oh, I've got this session to do. Sometimes don't expect that it's going to be the best session that you've ever had. If you're in your head, you're thinking slightly, oh, it isn't going to be pretty, but I'm going to get this done. Yeah. You know, get you'll it get done. Some, you'll get something done. You, you'll get something from yeah, it. If yeah. it's not the physical rewards that you, you're expecting to get from this, yeah. this training session, yeah. the whole season's not a write-off because mm. you, you, you know, you've done it. But the adapt, you adapting to it kind of mentally has probably given you a few more, a few more stars than you've given yourself credit yeah. for. So, and there yeah. is a point where, um, and we've been through, I think, the majority of the, you know, the, the winters, coughs and colds, not the silly ones, the ones that have absolutely. You know, hit people for six. They they haven't been to work. They've barely been moving around. They've been, you know, properly ill to the point where you know sometimes it becomes yeah chest infections and things like that. That is the point where you go, hold on a minute. 
I am human, this isn't right, the doctor's saying this, this and this, they're not just wrapping me up in cotton wool, they're actually saying don't do it at this yeah. point. That is when you say, uh, yeah, the other part of being flexible is sometimes being flexible and knowing when to get out and to go, it's not my day today. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I am. You can push things to an extent, but you cannot push your body beyond its, if you like, healthy bounds when it starts breaking down. And, and I see it in some people, they they almost need it, you know, stamped across their forehead. So when they look in the mirror, it reminds them, you know, I am mortal because yeah. they get something wrong. And it's not it's not something that's just minor. You look at the, you know, the, the series of, of comments and things like that. And you think you are really ill. If you have to go to bed on a Friday afternoon and you sleep, you know, till halfway through Saturday and you've slept for that whole period of time, that is not normal. Yeah. You know, that is such, particularly if it's coupled with extreme resting heart rate, very tired, very irritable. You think, Hey, how many more red flags do you need waving before you go? So I think there is this thing that... Before you go. <laughs> before you expire. Before you expire. <laughs> there is this thing that, you know, life gets in the way and there's 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 lots of things to do that, that work with sport or, or, are, or are counter to sport, but they make you a richer person. But sometimes when you look at yourself, you say, I know I want to do all these things, but at the moment, lots of things are breaking down and aren't right. Okay, Give it time. The body's got remarkable capacities to actually recover and to, you know, rebuild itself. But only if you listen and only if you listen to people around you and you start going, yeah, but this isn't normal. There's no way, you know, that 20 beats above resting heart rate can be in any way rationalised but anything but I am really ill. Yeah. You can't yeah. say, oh, yeah, but maybe that's X. No, that is really ill. Or, you know, falling asleep excessively, perhaps perhaps um you know being really irritated with everybody that runs in the other direction or drives their car by when you're cycling or whatever when you start getting people um have a uh, to quote a robbie williams uh, a tumor in their humor that's when you start realizing the summer up yeah. because you you you've got to realize that you know it, it is important to really be into your um endurance sports but at a point people around you all shouting hold on, hold on, and the ones that think this is the part where we really have to push have actually already pushed themselves to the limit. Yeah. And um, so, Chris, um, we'll try and keep him out of the mosh pit if we can, but um, in the meanwhile, I think it's um, it's all part of life's rich tapestry. This is it. This is it. So, research updates. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. We haven't got that. We, we got that? Well, I thought you were going to do it, but... It's like a little... No, I've got the research updates. I thought you were going to do the da-da-da. Da-da-da. That was timely, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> so, um, a, a very brief update on several areas. Uh, some very interesting research from the British Journal of Sports Medicine on compression garments for um, muscle damage. And there was a, a meta-analysis of bringing together um, a host of um, different studies, da -da -da -da, get all of it together, look at the, the different effects and the, um, the, the ways in which um, research very often doesn't always measure the same thing. They measure different scenarios, they have different, um, different even time protocols that they use, maybe even different ages of people, even different ways that they look at the statistics. But they looked at um, 12... Um, studies over uh, basically a 24, 48, 72 hour kind of scenario of what was happening to the body. 
and what they said was that compression garments are effective in enhancing recovery from muscle damage. Now it doesn't tell us exactly what um, each of the scenarios of muscle damage are, but you know, it's this is you know lots of downhill running. This is you know uh, high intensity um, resistance type training. This could be you know even to some cases you know a, a triathlon or a, a very hard interval session where you know your legs are going to be saw the next day and this is saying yes they're they're there to enhance your recovery uh they clearly don't do the training for you they clearly don't make you um better than you can be but there seems to be another sort of tick in the box that suggests that putting compression on does help and i think there are quite a lot of people that have sort of used compression and they sort of say yeah it just seems to do something now it might be psychosomatic it might be they are just warmer because they've got you know another layer on underneath their normal working clothes um it may be that it does actually help the um the, the blood to sort of return and to keep the muscles but but there's different levels of compression but i don't think it's a total sham i think there is something in it I have, I have a question. So with, with reference to these kind of researches, these are totally independent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. Those. So they're just they're just going off and like most areas, after a while lots of people have done research and then you'll get a group that um basically are interested in the area but don't do specific research. They basically analyse the research of other people to say, right, let's pull this together and see if we can look at the um, the effects and the protocols and try and see what these things are pulling together. Because if they all pull together and it's like, mm, there's not really anything in it, then the consensus is, well, of the things we can see here, this doesn't seem to work. But this is another one that's saying, looks like there's something in it. And I, and I think... It's it sort of makes um, to me it, it makes uh, sort of common sense really that compressing the muscle and certainly keeping the athlete warm, maybe even making them sensitised to the fact that um, most people say they feel good when they've got tight yeah. garments yeah, on yeah. them. They feel better. Um, there's a maybe that's just a you know a, a, a psychophysiological, but it may also help to. Um, in some cases, certainly in the legs, it may help to bring the blood back up, like people that have, you know, socks for flying or varicose veins or whatever. There may be a, a, almost like a, with the correct compression, pushing it back up. Um, but I may be able to get hold of some uh, up-to-date research directly from a compression company. Oh, right. I'll just ask somebody to see if I can get hold of uh, any anything that, you know, uh, maybe hasn't been published but is out there. So, cool. Wear your compression. Mm. Um, one of the others, which I, I thought was, was quite interesting, was looking at polarised training. So this is the idea of, you know, training zone one, training, um, you know, zone three type stuff, you know, the kind of high-low stuff. Um, also, comparing it to threshold or high intensity or high volume. So different sort of scenarios, and it's it's out there. It's uh, it was published. It's called uh, Frontiers in Physiology. It was a um, two researchers, the Brotherhood of <laughs> two researchers, uh, Stoggle S T O G G L and Spirlich S P E R L I C H, uh, Austria, Sweden, Germany based, and. They looked at the you know the different 
groups of athletes, runners, cyclists, triathletes. They basically put them on different protocols of, of training. Some of them did, um, you know, the, the classic, uh, you know, at threshold or increased the volume uh, of training significantly or split it so that they were doing um, very, very high intensity. And within the study, there are super um, drawings, <coughs> excuse me, of the the way that they did it in terms of um, the the blocks of training, um, the high intensity people did 16 days of high intensity training. One of the groups, <coughs> excuse me, so sorry, uh, one of the groups polarised did, you know, the low high type stuff, very low and then high intensity stuff. And I think what comes out of it is that there's sort of, there's always an adaptation you get from training, but there's certain types of training that, maybe a certain individuals that get it but certain types of training seems to be just a little bit more effective so yes people that train and go out and do something will get fitter but it's the optimization of it and uh, they they concluded that it was better for the, uh, the sort of high low <clears throat> i can't remember how much they were doing da -da -da -da. up around anything from sort of 60 to 100 hours over the nine weeks so the high intensity trainers only did 66 hours, but 27% uh, of that was actually high intensity training. So it, it breaks it all down. And of course, it's difficult to immediately repeat it and say, oh, this is exactly what you've got to do. Look, that, that's what it says you do. You know, you do an adaptation week, then you do 16 days of high intensity training. And that's and then and at the end of that, you get this. They're only looking at it in a relatively small time scale. But over that time scale, you can see that there's, um, you know, the hit, hit people were doing four by four minutes at 90 percent of max. So, you know, hard work, three minutes active between very classic, you know, high intensity stuff. Um, the low intensity stuff was, you know, two hours low intensity, you know, classic base building type stuff. So they, I think most of all, it often pinpoints that training should be like this. And of course, lots of times when, when I see what people have thought that they've done in training, it's a mixture of loads of different things all thrown together. It starts out as, you know, it's a two hour steady state session, but then they throw in some efforts and then towards the end, it ends up being a race. So they've got all these different components of training. Of course, okay, what was that day then? And how does that, fit? Right. And yeah. how does yeah. that fit? How does that fit into everything else? Because low was low. You know, they, they were, you know, they were doing one hour of low intensity or two hours of low intensity. Um, then they might do lactate threshold work um whereby they would do you know 20 minutes i think it was sort of uh, 20 minute blocks but it was specific so every day if it said low that's what they did so if they felt good during the adaptation week they didn't do more yes, they did that yeah. if it was low intensity for two hours they did that and that's often why these things are quite good at pinpointing between them what the differences were yeah but also showing that um no, VO2, as as they measured it, um, was increasing as a result of training, but it was just better when the people did the polarised training, i.e. they did, you know, high intensity intervals and low intensity. But it's not as if if somebody does, um, 
training normally they are that specific it tends to be that it's a bit more random you know there's there's a week that they've planned out but almost every day there'll be a high intensity mm. component instead of saying this is low intensity so that's technique that's training with somebody that's you know perhaps less fit and you can just chat away and you keep it low intensity um but that when it becomes okay this is lactate threshold right you've got to do um you know your your threshold training which i believe the group as i look on the on the um design threshold training did uh five by six minutes for two minutes block so they were doing what looks like up to sometimes longer intervals of 15 minutes at lactate threshold so just you know <clears throat> relatively controlled but longer periods yeah. of threshold whereas the high intensity is at 90 percent max and is above threshold but they're they're deliberately quantifying that and i think that's what people don't do i think they kind of train and they're telling the hours but if you look at the breakdown it's like was the breakdown what you expected the plan to be? Because these people, when they do this and then they measure it and they say, yes, in order that we did actually test these different things, the people's heart rate has to mirror what we said they were doing. Yes. Yeah. So the people that did the, you know, the 16 days of high intensity did have to do it. Um, you normally find out that, you know, <laughs> you know, three people never managed to, to do the whole thing or or something like that but it's um it's a real i think it's a really interesting study if you're into training because it actually looks at you know it's, it's original piece of research um and it and it says quite interestingly you know uh threshold or high volume training did not lead to further improvements in performance so they're kind of saying look actually if you do um high intensity or you do polarized, which is some low and some high, it works. But if you do a lot around threshold or you just do lots and lots and lots of, of high volume training, actually, that's not the way to go. Yeah. And, and yet the high volume training is often what people get the most buzz from. It's, oh, yeah, I did a big week last week. Um, so, OK, yeah, that's fine. But then you've got to do something with that. Is there some kind of progression elsewhere? Not just volume, because you can't just keep looking for volume progression. Sometimes you have to say, oh, yeah, my intervals, yeah, I'm putting out, you know, more, uh, you know, more watts in my four minute intervals. or I'm running further for each of my four minute segments. I'm getting, you know, an extra 50 meters on the track. There's got to be some element of that progressing for you to be getting quicker, not just oh, I'm doing loads of training. There's loads of people that like their training. And I absolutely get that. I, I love sessions where it's actually quite just time in the bank but there's also the good ones where you go i've got to do this next bit at this amount and i want to exceed what i've done before i want to get better i don't just want to do it go, oh yeah i'm getting worse isn't it great yeah. but we we're all guilty of that you know there used to be a time where we i used to set myself a block of two hours training and do it in an hour for the, yeah <laughs> do it in an hour as hard as i could um but after that two hours you then kind of go well you know maybe finish off with the group and then just say oh cheers everybody instead of kind of i don't know cooling down or getting back in the car um i had a tendency to then go oh, actually i reckon i can sneak out a quick another half hour <laughs> didn't you yeah. that's what you used to think yeah. you used to think oh, i reckon i'll get another half hour and mm. then that half an hour turned to 45 minutes mm. so instead of you doing maybe eight hours that week you know you added on a kind of sneaky like three or four more hours thinking well that's, that's got to improve me and all it ended up doing was just making you more tired yeah so yeah everyone's got a sweet spot um and i think if you looked at the the amount of hours, there there would be of course individual differences. We might be talking to somebody now that you know wants to do 
um, an Ironman in the summer, you know, I don't know, Ironman Austria or uh, um, the Outlaw or Barcelona. You know, there's, there's, I'm not going to say hundreds of Ironmans, but there's a lot of them. Or it could be somebody that's listening that's doing, you know, they, they want to break 24 minutes for 10 miles. So they've got a completely different scenario of... 20, you... 24 minutes for 10 miles TT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but running that's quick. <laughs> running that's quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, for ten miles. What's the ten mile world record? Something like forty-four minutes or something. Good lord, is it? That's way under fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, probably quicker than your ten mile on the bike, isn't it? <laughs> Only just. Yeah. No, actually, it is. <laughs> no, no. So, if that person is, say, trying to ride for twenty-four minutes, they don't need, you know, the same necessarily the same volume outlook as somebody that wants to do an Ironman it's going to take them 12 hours but you have to have a basis on which your um, base of training is built so you can't say oh only you know I only do 24 minutes therefore I don't need to go long there's still a sense of probably you know people that um, do endurance sessions have to see that a certain amount of base helps them but you can't keep doing that at a certain point the endurance people that are going for long distance races, you know, have to keep building volume and everyone else has to start not necessarily massively dropping volume, but certainly thinking about quality being brought in. And that isn't straight away now. It's like February, blimey, I've got to smash it up. Um, more case of when is it important that you're ready to go fast. But the studies and the good athletes, I think, move themselves apart from people that just train in inverted commas because they distinctly define what they do. So yes. if they go out and say, I'm going to do, um, you know, four by four minutes running and I'm going to do it at this speed or I'm going to do, I'm just trying to think of examples, I'm going to do um, uh, these um, six minute blocks on my turbo trainer at this wattage, at this cadence. That's what they would do. And if we can get them to go up slightly more in the in the key way that it's meant to, not just, you know, do more and more and more of them. It might be about doing it harder or doing it under a bigger gear or running up a bigger incline or some way of manipulating it very slowly. But taking into account that just to adapt to that takes quite a bit. Yes. So you can't yeah. be adapting that and then throwing in, you know, double the volume and then trying to do this other extra session that somebody else does and you think that's good. I think you have to look for progress probably you know two maybe three sessions is a lot for those three things to all be moving along i think if you're keeping a fairly good uh base of of endurance work and technical work and, and work that you just enjoy that's fun and then your hard stuff can progress but you can't just progress everything can't, no, everything's no. got to be going and and that's the difference some people's training is built around how many hours you're doing and not about the quality bits. Are you pushing the quality bits up more? Because that's that's a lot harder to do. If you've got the time, then like you were saying, to add on a sneaky half an hour is easy. For somebody to say, oh, tomorrow I've got to do my hard work session, that is a lot more, are you actually doing, you know, because you can do two hours on the bike and I can do two hours on the bike and most people listening can do two hours. That's the easy bit. The hard bit is defining what is going to be the hard day, days, and how will you measure that? And how will you honestly work out? Are you are you adapting and going forwards? 
have you not got the motivation that something needs to change or is it looking like wow my numbers are really coming up so lots of things are coming together and they may not they the, the numbers may be telling a a truth that is that is catching up with you from um from the mosh pit or from something else yes yeah. that's, that's really kind of said you haven't got it and whatever you think this year it's going to be a bit of a struggle to regain what you had and and that's why i think training and ultimately why research works is that it has to be quite quite narrow defined you can't just oh, i just throw 12 hours at it you're bound to get better you've got to do certain things um and that's interesting because as you look at it there are certain physiological things that seem to work and certain things that maybe do work or maybe just are expending calories for the hell of it yeah i like it what's your favorite hard session when you know you're fit come on um, on the spot um I, for some reason i quite like doing the i don't like doing it and i do like doing it um is I, I quite enjoy power tests yeah. with your power test kind of i normally just do one just to start the season off um or not start the season off but start the training off um yes yeah but the the thing the strange thing about it is it's not you are right you're completely right when you say sometimes i'm not even interested in numbers it's just getting to that point where you physically cannot you can't go anymore that's it and you just think one more dig and you go for that dig and nothing really happens and then you just fall off the bike and and just have to lie there crying for a bit but then you get back on the bike and have a gentle spin and it's like you said once all the endorphins are fired up and you just think oh, that was that was awfully brilliant in some way yeah yeah but yeah I, I, but that's like racing and racing fundamentally people are putting themselves on the rack and Hopefully, eventually, they get some sense of you know of payback from it. To think that people are just flogging themselves and never, at some point, you've got to be happy with. Blimey, that was me on a good day. And if you're not, then you're just going to flog yourself from now till whenever and never really. You know, there's a strange psychology because the harder you push yourself, the quicker you'll get to the finish line. Um, and getting to the finish line quicker is what you want, but you've got to be your own worst enemy to do that. That's right. And, yeah, and yeah. in doing that, you partly have to somehow treat yourself for that. You know, if you do something, you think, I've never gone under 20 minutes of 5K and I've just done it. Well, blimey, now's the time to treat yourself because you've done something you'd never done before. And, and even, you know, people say, oh, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly, um, yeah, it's a slightly short course, but it's what I always measure myself on. Well, that's it. That's how you measure yourself. Yeah. We're all measuring ourselves against ourselves. And I heard this morning it was... Uh, uh, Chris Evans talking about the the park runs and it, and he, he was talking about how it all started but he said about and it's quite a, a good phrase sort of said you know you're not you're not racing a person you're just you're just against yourself yeah. and that's what it's about if you're racing other people and you want to be the best then you've got to have quite a lot of things on your side if you if you go into it and you just compete against yourself it's always going to be you against your honest self because you know whether you've pushed yourself and we all know sometimes we've pushed ourselves and it and it isn't there and and it it won't be there just cuz say no next time I'm really going to try it maybe has been several months of things just not being well, not being all aligned perfectly. And then things do start to align. And then you start noticing, actually, the hard work I did a month ago, I can feel it can now. Feel it now. Yeah. But if you don't do the hard work and listen to how your body's responding, you'll never get that sense of, wow, those first few races, I can feel them now. And I think that's the nice bit, is when you start noticing your body, which it can, if you give it the right 
you know nutrients and time and and let it chill out and 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 apply yourself you can see progression progression isn't only for people that are talented i think that's some people sort of oh yeah but they're just very good at it no we can all get better we can all you know lose that two kilos and run faster we can all apply our pacing better we can all sort our nutrition or our sleep or whatever out. i think there's more progression to be had but you've got to apply yourself well yes yeah, yeah, definitely. And that means doing those sessions. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm really not. I always think of those things as I am looking forward to it because I'll really like the easy stuff then. Because I think if you do the steady state training, which doesn't have to be, you know, um, I don't know, you know, 198 watts for 122 beats. That's a two hour ride. Yeah. Okay. But that isn't, that's just, that's it. There's, there's no like, oh, if you go faster, you'll get up to 220 watts, then, but then your heart is going up and then you're turning that into a competitive session. It's the other sessions where it's right, this many minutes against this climb or against this gear or whatever. And those are the things where you're really meant to push yourself. And that's what I think the, the research and that's what I think the whole point of polarised training is, is that know the days to push yourself. Because if you do push yourself hard, you go, God, that was really hard work. Well, that's okay, because tomorrow you don't have to do that. That's right. Tomorrow yeah. could be a total, I'm going to swear now, rest day. No training. <laughs> you did actually think you were going to swear then. <laughs> it's adaptation. This is where a lot of people go wrong. The next day you let your body recharge. And especially, and it was in Ian's question about you know getting old, and I think he said he was 57. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you get older, you have to spread those harder bits out. They don't have to be any easier in terms of you don't or oh, i don't know whether i can take hard training if your body's sticking together you can probably keep training hard it's how often you can do that before you notice that your you know ability to adapt your long-term things like um testosterone cortisol uh, just bodily status which all says you're just training too hard yeah, yeah. And, and there are plenty of people that do that and you know they, they they look like rubbish they they train great but they don't actually perform well and the irony is they could do less and actually lots be, of people say yeah actually they're, they're really going well now and the biggest factor is they've done less training yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel natural though does it to anybody that trains you know, you're going better because you've done less, and then people are like, ah, "Why? How? How does? How does that work?" Yeah, I suppose it depends on what they're trying to do, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another bit of research, and this is called Drag Kings. So this is about. Um, this is about. <laughs> Did you just? Sorry, you, I was too busy reading the title, and you just said Drag Kings. Drag Kings. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. Drag Kings characterizing large scale flows in cycling aerodynamics. So this is looking at the the whole. Um, flow of air over riders yeah in terms of um, the more you get into it boy oh boy this is like asymmetries in the wake I mean this is just it, it's interesting because it starts looking at there's a there's a, a picture looking at the, the back of the rider and where depending on where the foot is the air swirls around a rider differently so you get all these different vortices and this is only stuff that's just coming out in terms of vortices around the back of the rider that air doesn't just go straight over a rider and straight down the back you know as if people people just think it's like it's like cars most of the complication in cars is around the back of it and how you can truncate it like an audi and cause it to happen now you you joe joe showed me this 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 bit of paper with with writing on picture of 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 a foot and a pedal and it looks like some small child has colored that in no. and now i've just written off someone's work that they've probably spent a few years doing 
<laughs> some child the, dip, the different coloured areas on the back of the cyclist. Imagine you're looking at the back of a cyclist. You're looking just over their back. You can see the back of their um, aero helmet. You're looking at their the backs of their thighs, and you can see their lower back. Um, and it's shaded in different colours depending on whether it's yes. higher or lower yeah. pressure and what way the um, what way the air is moving. But there's um new research from uh australia that's looking at this and they're looking at how the flow around the back of the rider is really where it all starts to um the the implications of what's gone on earlier on starts to go, starts, yeah. to, starts to make big differences in drag at the back of the rider so depending on where the leg is means that that can pull um a lot more um, of these sort of big um vortices around the ride and you and you create a lot more movement of air around them than you realize because if you look at it normally in in you know the kind of um average person's thing they just see the rider and think the air just sort of goes over the rider and drops off the back and you see this that as the leg is moving it's actually creating a lot more changes in flow even the flow going back up the back or swirling around so not actually even going down off the rider swirling around because of what's come through the leg tucked quite tightly around the sort of waist um, side and almost like lower rib cage side of your um haunches if you like and then tucked around and that drags air around and yeah. creates these swirls and this is just this is talking about the whole um outlook of um of drag of drag on cyclists i'd like to read that and it refers to um some work by um crouch that came out in 2014 and this was even more sort of high level looking at the airflow on mannequins and different um different leg angles and looking at the ride and saying this is what we can see now we're actually trying to work out even the flow like a meter and two meters and three meters behind how it all affects the drag of the rider because it's the air and how it comes together behind the rider that actually affects the drag more so than what it does earlier on you know in terms of hitting the front of the helmet it's more what happens on the the lower back and backs of the legs of the um of the rider so there you have that one oh, that's your that, bedtime you. reading okay um so what what do we know in terms of uh insider insider info um well, obviously, you've seen in the magazines that um, a a group set which shall remain nameless has gone wireless for road. Yes. So that's on there. That's um, been leaked various times. Yeah. Um, Why is it nameless, by the way? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Am I allowed to say it? Of course you are. Shram, apparently. Um, <laughs> why, and, would, why wouldn't I like you that to work? Yeah, I know. And, and, and also, there is there might be a... Well, I know that there's going to be a new player for a group set on the... Uh, on the horizon soon, so um, everybody keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, everything else is pretty much as, as as what would have been released in the magazines probably half a year ago. That's just starting to come come through now. So you know, there's some uh, there's some good stuff out and about technology wise. So um, uh, different power units as well that are on the market or coming to the market which seems to have pulled the price down across all the different, oh yeah massively massively you know and um yeah uh openness or whatever yes i am directly connected with rotor but you know you've got the the uh influx of the you know, the the single-sided garmin you've got the uh obviously the single-sided stages you've got the rotor single-sided it seems as though there's a this past year and possibly this next coming year will be the point at which 
the competition in the market to bring power down to, let's say, hypothetically, at some point, about £500. You know, somebody will do it if, if they don't do oh, it yeah, soon. The, oh, but but £500 and to work and to be, you accurate know... Accurate is the accurate, biggest thing. Yeah, to yeah. be accurate, not just to be a random number yeah. generator. And, and they're what? You know, lots of them are, the single-sided things are what? Between sort of seven and 800 or six, seven, 800? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. Of six. But, but, you know, you and I know that, you know, they're just going to keep coming down and down and down. And um, and it's a bit... It has come um, down. If you think about it, people yeah. are spending over half of that on just a head unit. Yeah, but but we were saying we were saying this um, before we came came on to record this that you know back in the day when things were two grand, you know, two thousand pound to get like an SRM, which which they still are now. Yeah, um, two but six. Ob- but obviously you know they're, they're they're fantastically accurate. But you know down from kind of like twelve hundred quid now to yeah, like you said, you know to to nine to seven to you know to six hundred. So you know the the. the even if you're not so massively into it that you think, oh, there's no way I'm spending £600 on something that, you know, that reads a bit of power, mm. you know, it, it's it's slowly becoming more accessible for mm. everybody. Mm. And it's still, to this day, it's the biggest leap that I've made for all the years that I've been, you know, I'm, I'm no self-confessed, um, you know, guru on it, but for all the years that I've been doing training, it's the single biggest thing that's made me, just have a, another little step forward so um but all all of that kind of stuff even electronic gearing starting to become mm. you know more affordable you get the trickle down effect so every time you see uh, the pros testing it out and going well it's all right for them they can crash they don't have to pay for it but it's their testing that then enables people like you know shram shimano campag etc etc to trickle it down mm. through so us mere mortals can afford to have it yeah, yeah, so absolutely. you know um but other than that there's there's kind of um no giant steps uh forward that uh that we kind of we we need to hunker down and uh take some uh massive notice of you know again it'll all be there'll be a handful of our attempts weren't there uh, mm. um so and it's always quite nice to see the kit that those guys uh, mm. guys use for it but other than that it's just there's there's some stuff that obviously you know i don't know about joe doesn't know about that that'll more than likely come to fruition sooner or later but yeah. and th- some things we know about and we can't say about but when when it comes we can say We'd have left to told you about that one. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, but and nine times out of ten, this isn't kind of blowing our own trumpets. It, it kind of sneakily gets put into oh, to kind of magazines and then yeah, we're like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things, oh, like, a... things like I can think of over the past 12 months, like bikes, um, I know wheels, I know um, sports nutrition, I know um sports technologies literally six things straight away that i know are just about to come out in the market in um you know either through the great vinyl companies directly linked to me and i just think yeah that's that's part of the innovation some of those become you know hot topics and are things that open up areas or they're another you know power method or they're another um you know type of uh you know tire or type of helmet or type of clothing or whatever i think that 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 to me is the interesting bit is the is the nudging forwards of the technological aspects of stuff because a bit like the knowledge of training and a bit like you know performances it, it is about that that creep forwards and lots of people get i think you know their their enjoyment by being able to get themselves you know the odd 
toy to treat themselves. They say, oh, I've got this pair of running shoes. Oh, they're brilliant. I love them. And if that gets them out the door or if they get, you know, into um, power, which makes them think about their training, um, that's that's a good thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not this sort of like, oh, people are using far too many gadgets. No, some people get a bit distracted by I them. Get, that's but sometimes, like it, yeah. it, sometimes it can, you know, it can get you out the door, but it, it, it doesn't do it for you. It can make you more comfortable. It can make you more... Um, more accurate in what you do or, or just better. do it more professionally if you've got running shoes at three years old then you clearly need to upgrade your running shoes and it doesn't have to be you know the most up-to-date 160 quid pair of running shoes you could get you know two years ago shoes from a you know a knockdown shop and get them 25 pounds and they still do the same job yeah. Yeah, yeah. um so we've got a competition have we? Yes, we've got a competition. Good. Da, 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 da. Um, so, uh, podcast sponsors, no pins. Um, I'm asking a question. And if you get this question right, you'll put in the hat and then you get pulled out the hat. And one person will be pulled out the hat. Well, not the person will be pulled out the hat, but their email will. Yes. Because otherwise it would be a really big hat. But the um, email must go to... Uh, the podcast so you've got to go to jbst.com and go on to the contact page and what you have to tell us is what type of lycra is the no pins super suit i know the answer to this all right well you're not allowed to say it well so that would be pretty silly at this can point can i send my email in yeah of course you can <laughs> you, can, you, can add, you can be a you can be a, a contestant um don't be don't be don't be surprised if your hat if your hat doesn't get pulled out of the no, if your um, name doesn't get pulled out the hat, yeah. it could do. And the the winner gets, um, it could be, um, certainly if they're a time trialist, they can get a free speed pocket put into their time trial suit. Oh, lovely. Um, if they are a triathlete, they could get a free no-pins number belt or something to the value of approximately £50. Lovely job. So so how do we, how do we go about it And terms of conditions apply, and they're written on the bottom of Martin's sole of his shoe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want to enter the uh, the No Pins competition, uh, via email, uh, via jbst.com. Yeah, click on the contact. Click on contact. And it, the question is, what type of lycra is the super suit? And entries close the 28th of February. <sighs> So come on, get your socks on, get your skates on, get your socks on, your skates on. And your running shoes. And your running shoes as well. And um, so, yes, that's, that's a, you know, it's um, it's there to be had. And if you haven't already been there, you better go to nopins.com to find out what type of lycra is the super suit made of. There we go. Um, what can I tell you then in the last Joseph, few minutes? Joseph, tell me something. What can I tell you about? Um, I can tell you about... Um, I can tell you about... Oh, things that have been going on, I suppose, with, with, you know, we've been quiet for three months, haven't we? In terms of off the radar as far as the podcast is concerned. Yeah. Um... Um, and and, and none, of this is, none of this is blow trumpet. This is just to give people up to dates. So, because um, sometimes people listen to the podcast and they haven't heard things through other streams. So, um, the triathlon show is going ahead again in Sandown on the 27th, 28th of February and 1st of March. Um, if you're there, please come and say hello. There's uh, various talks and various places that uh, I would be. It'd be great to to meet people. Um, so that's the end of Feb, first week of March. The end of March um, is training camp time in Mallorca. 
and also by next month, maybe maybe next month, yeah, should be um, announcing a new training camp um, in the Alps in the summer at altitude yeah. with Scott. That's the bike company, not a, not a certain person. <laughs> just just a, Scott, some bloke Scott Medley, yeah, yeah. Scott, some, yeah. some bloke I met, some bloke I met called Scott. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, lovely details. Details to follow. Um, apart from that, been really busy with um, just lots of things. Like when, when Joe says he's been really busy, what what you have to bear in mind is we we're, we're sat in the office and we've got three screens staring at us. <laughs> we've got two mics. Us laughing, a printer, and Joe has a pile. He's like the nutty professor. He has a pile of... Well, there's just everything there from kind of nutrition... Pa- Powerbar power bar samples that I'm doing. If you want to get into it, you can go to um, powerbar.com and there's something called Nutrition Lab and you can become a tester of samples. So you go there, you sign up, um, they choose certain people, um, and I got chosen, yay! So you get to sign, you know, this one's called, what was this, this is Sample N. So this is, um, but no, no, no. But it looks like some some, some hamster has broken in <laughs> and eaten half of what, of everything in there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, and, just, it's, it's, it's the way it's the way I do it. Crocker. But but Joe, but Joe has everything kind of stacked up, and, and yeah, that's just my that's just my. Um, oh yeah, and there's um, there's going to be info coming out at the tri show about um, endurance, which is blood profiling, and way 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 back, um, my desktop and my laptop's got it on that um, back in 1990. This is showing my age in 1990. I got blood tested for certain parameters um, and I always thought then this is brilliant to find out. We had this conversation, we had this conversation before Christmas yeah. um, about blood profiling yeah. and things like that and I I kind of, I, I took a while to read it and to, to a very simple person like myself, a lot of it was, wasn't beyond me but you took bits from it and I kind of went away thinking well that that's almost the the kind of the other bits of the puzzle almost put together if you know if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You could have a Which short is what I was, what I was saying yes. about earlier because things like yes, you know, definitely into the you know the whole idea of, of real foods and stuff, but you can work out whether your supplementation is correct. So yeah, I'll 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 go on record. Yeah, my zinc was too high. So there was too much zinc coming in via probably the multivitamin that I was taking. So that just flagged me up saying, don't keep taking more of it. You're actually above what we suggest to be recommended. So, you know, reduce your your zinc. Um, there was uh, another one was, oh, yes, you need to, um, your, you know, your B12 is okay. You don't need to keep um, doing that. Blah, 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 blah. Actually look at things like, you know, vitamin D status. Yes, within normal levels, but make sure you have your vitamin D rich food. So all these different bits, which up to now, you just guess. You know, someone says, oh, I'm feeling a bit run down. And they've just read something on zinc, so they start taking zinc. Or somebody told them that it's because we haven't had much sunshine in January, so they start whacking down vitamin D. Now with blood profiling, you can actually look at the athlete at that point in time and say, right, across different areas, be it your, you know, your your red blood cells, be it your immune function, be it your vitamin status, you can look at it and say, what is this athlete actually like at the moment? Because it's very easy to assume that, oh yes, I'm on a whole food great diet and I supplement precisely, but we don't know you can supplement precisely. We don't know of the foods you're eating, what they're 
chemical basis is that you're actually getting from them. So this is looking at some key bits, particularly things like hemoglobin, ferritin, to actually say, what's the, you know, is, is this person within the performance range? Um, and the data that I had from um, 1990 was much lower on the haemoglobin scale than what it is now. Now, you wouldn't automatically... Um, you wouldn't automatically know that. Do you know what I mean? You don't sort of say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm fine. The why, reason why, I'm why are you laughing? Is I was going, how does ferritin help you at all? Ferritin? <laughs> ferritin, know, yeah, okay. Um, um, but no, so this is, this is the way to look at inside the athlete. Not measure their VO2 and say, oh, you've got a great VO2 max. That must be, that must be brilliant. Actually, that's a bit like saying, that car went down the road really fast. It must be good. No, look under the hood. Look at the... This is like engine management system. This is looking at all the different bits saying, what's the oil like? What's the temperature? What's the spark plugs? Blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? So you're looking at deep into the athlete, of which some of these can just be health-based, saying, look, you've got really low A, B, and C. Um, you need to you know, back your training down or really focus on these nutrients because they're, they're off the scale. Meanwhile, this person could look like on the outside – that they're absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. oh they're pinging they're so they're so fit at the moment but these things are saying no you're not you've got to keep these things in certain performance areas or you can literally be that that performance athlete that breaks and then takes a year to even to get, get back, back yeah. to to normality do you i've got a question for you related to all this you yeah. know with with technology everything all the testing you can do supplements do you think we're almost getting to the point now or we're we're near the point of we're almost taking the guesswork out of out of training. The only the only un the, the, the only factor that's stopping us now is the unforeseen. So things like failure at uh, you know like equipment failure, etc. Et oh, yeah, Do you yeah, think we'll yeah, ever yeah, get yeah. to that point? Well, of course, where... yeah. But that's that's how that's how you know in in a in a in a parallel to that. That's how how dopers can be seen because you start looking at certain parameters of performance and after a while you should be able to predict based on somebody's known numbers you should be able to predict you know when i look at people's numbers and they say i can do this this and this well you know where that person can potentially perform now sometimes they are totally unrealistic about you know they've got an 850 engine they think they're going to do what a two liter can do and you sometimes have to okay you can make people fitter but not everybody's got the same capacity yes, to be yeah. you know um yes they might move as was said on uh one of our previous questions about moving from the back of the pack to the middle well that doesn't mean that person from the middle can move to the front there's certain limitations as to where people are within the field but i think it sort of takes the guesswork out but then that's really what um heart monitors and having a training plan and having you know dates that you're trying to build towards actually does you don't just say oh i just turned up at this event and i didn't really know what i was doing i didn't do any training and i managed to win it i mean that's just like that's poppycock that's people thinking that you can somehow be like a an accidental champion i think the more you take some of these um sort of uh unknowns out of the equation just the better you can apply yourself and when we're talking about people spending you know £3,000 on just their bicycle frame or £600 on an Ironman entry or, you know, they're flying over, you know, to do, um, I don't know, the is it the Western States 100, the running race in, um, in the US? I mean, there's so many places where people spend money and I think that actually to, to have 
you know, good nutrition, to have good management. This is um, this is where I think, you know, the idea of of having good diet, maybe supplementing, because even people that have been asked to, to take certain foods, when they've been retested, still cannot get their levels up. So they need to supplement. And when we're in the 21st century, I don't get, I don't get it that people are anti-supplements. I think if you can get a specific nutrient into somebody that maybe doesn't go in via normal food stuff means or just can't get a high enough quantity to do so, I don't see what's wrong with yeah. engineered yeah, nutrition. Yeah. But I think there's also the need to see that for a lot of people, the the blood profile, and really it's just going to help take out the guesswork of, of am I doing myself more harm than good? Um, because you can see people with extremely low, um, perhaps low haemoglobin or um, excessive vitamins. They've been going bonkers for years on ultra high vitamins, which will reduce your training effects because too many antioxidants will reduce the training effects or potentially put toxic situations into your body because you're taking in so much mega amounts of vitamins. So I think, yes, it does take the guesswork out, um, but that isn't a bad thing because if somebody can say you do need something that's going to help your um say your iron and if you believe you can eat it all with spinach and various other things but then get retested to show it's still not going up then you might have to say you know what i'm actually going to get off my high stool and realize i need to take yeah. either yeah, yeah. this supplement or or actually i'm not against meat so i'll take meat for a while then you can actually not only take the guesswork out of it you can actually test people's own abilities to say not just oh I found out I was low on you know X and I just ate loads of spinach or I just ate loads of yes but still you need to retest that to find did that actually do what it should do and if it doesn't then you've obviously got to say okay there may be other means that may not be within the pure naturalist thing but they actually supplement to get there yeah. a bit like you know lots of people would like to not have to have medication to get over things but at a certain point you just say look you either have the medication or you're dead people go oh i think i might be into medication now then yeah, so i think a bit like a bit like finding out there's something wrong with your car you can either ignore it or you yeah. can say actually they've just told me we need to change this bit well ignore it or change it but both of those will have consequences yeah and yeah, a bit yeah. like this with the diet i think to be able to look at and this has been going in the background now for a year. So to look at athletes and what we've been able to do by tweaking stuff is brilliant because you take that guesswork of, uh, we better just take a multivitamin because I think that might cover what we what we need. Well, I don't know. That's been every coach's and every athlete's total guess. Yeah. Whereas now we can pinpoint it down and say, okay, what is your profile like, and does it does it get does it get worse at certain times of the year and does it actually um, help you for once to get through a complete year without having a total, um, you know, immune crash and then you lose, you know, a month of work and two months of, of any exercise, blah, blah, blah. I, I think the management of people to keep them out of the doctors putting more pressure on, you know, on resources that should be for people that are, you know, ill through their unknowing means rather than people that can train themselves to be ill or just to say well look if you do think that your real food diet is is going well put it to the test so so with reference to this is this yeah. something that that you know you're going to be looking at maybe in a bit more depth and discussing a bit more in depth with um with i might do i might do um the doctor behind it dr manga as um said that he will do um a podcast oh cool oh, so brilliant. may well do that actually at the triathlon show um and uh, talk to him and he's a he's a, a 
a very respected and very high level um, sports doc, but also to kind of get the the kind of medical side of of things in terms of what it is, because a lot of people, the moment you mention you know um, blood and testing, they start thinking, oh, this is a bit this is a bit dodgy. What's this then? But it's actually just trying to use. Um, it's the measurement which we know can now be possible because we can pinpoint these with actually very cost effective tests on different parts of the of the um of the athlete's profile the the expertise to now interpret it because we've got a bit more knowledge about it though that is building about what athletes levels actually are but then to be able to communicate that fast enough and regular enough to actually change something about it not yeah. to say oh look you've got your you know your iron levels have hit the floor well okay you know that 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 will affect you then you know just say no what can we do about it and how can we retest and there's, there's some very interesting science now into how to retest the athlete can do it themselves yes. at a much easier rather than going to get a phlebotomist to take their blood out they can actually do it at home with finger prick tests so i think it's it's almost like a new kind of way of of looking at the management and you know that 1990 data then sometime in the 90s i remember writing in triathlete about this because somebody brought out a service and was doing it on a, a lowish scale level to try and get athletes to look at it because there are still people out there there's people listening to this there's people that we've known and, and come across that train themselves into into an absolute state if you could catch just a few of those early yeah. and show them they can be a good athlete but they don't have to break themselves i think that would be one really useful outcome but also we've all been guessing and if you only get a profile once every you know year just to sort of show you know how good or bad things are if it really starts to look like you're not managing yourself well you're at least going to find it out early enough that you can then start saying i need to put some time into this not into my new disc wheel or into another three yeah. races yeah, yeah. i'm going to spend the equivalent amount of a you know, of less than an ironman race on just getting my body back to being just healthy because we assume training plus dedication it's really healthy people and i'm sorry to say that is not the case and i've seen some blood profiles of people and they've had great training but you look at their profiles you're just like i never want to be like that thank you very much yeah. i'd rather catch that six months earlier and go blimey that's that's not me thank you and of course when people are looking for each of these next you know few percentages to look at the health part of the health fitness performance triangle is a better place to look at it than to always be looking at the performance yes. top bit yeah, yeah. You know, to look at say look if we have a healthy athlete that knows what they're doing with their diet knows how to balance their training works their blood profile out within their annual pattern you can actually just have much better athletes rather than people that randomly are up and down all the yeah. time yeah. so yeah there'd be more of that um coming Good. out um there's yeah there's there's oodles there's oodles going on so it's been a busy time and we will be bringing you um more uh, podcasts fear not we um we've just had a we've had a nice off season and it's actually been quite nice really to um to to kick back to think about the podcast to think about um the the kind of things that we put into it but also to ask some people meanwhile about getting a few interviews so there'll be some different things coming up in the next few months but uh, i hope you've enjoyed that first hour and a bit we'll be back next month and Make sure you contact us with your questions through jbst.com. Uh, newsletter will be going out once a month. The Twitter feed in between podcasts will put out various research updates, various 
tips, tricks, um, no jokes. I'm I'm no joker. Um, Crocker does those very well, but I don't. <laughs> um, Facebook page for questions, discussions, all that malarkey. And of course, we've got this on iTunes and also through FeedBurner. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Mm. I, I think that's it. That's it. I don't think I've got anything to add to that. Good. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> right. Remember, train smart, have fun, and we will speak to you in a month.